Welcome to Well, Why Not? Conversations about opening your mind, then your passport. My name is Deborah, and I'm a first-generation Haitian-American who decided to leave the U.S. several times during my adult life. Currently, I live in Quito, Ecuador, where I've been for the past four years. I'd like to share more about my journey with you and invite others who have taken the leap to move away from the familiar, mainly in the form of immigration or expatriation. Greetings for those of you tuning in for the first time, welcome. And for those of you who have listened to previous episodes, welcome back. So today's title is pretty self-explanatory. Why do my friends think I'm good with money? And actually the second half of that title should be why I don't think I am. Um, But we will get to that later on. So I believe that healthy financial management is the foundation for most things that you want to do in life. There are things that you could do for free, obviously, but I think a lot of our goals require some sort of financial resource. Um, So whether it's travel more, whether it's spend more time with family, um, buy a new car, buy a new phone, whatever it is that, you know, you aim to do usually involves money. And if you're not really paying attention and if you're not being deliberate about how you're managing your finances, usually that brings along a series of obstacles that keep us from moving forward um, and sometimes just keep us from doing anything at all. (laughs) Um, So for me, early, early on, I think watching my family struggle uh, through the financial system, especially in the U.S., coming from a system that wasn't based on credit and wasn't based on um, really buying things that were oftentimes out of your financial reach. So I learned a lot just watching their mistakes, learning from their mistakes, and knew that managing my finance was something that was going to be important for me as an adult. Um, I started to learn how to do it little by little, probably with my first job, um, by having a, you know, a budget and knowing that with my small paycheck of, you know, $80 every two weeks, I wanted to save some. Um, of course I wanted to use some for my, uh, you know, basic needs or when I started driving to put gas in the car and things like that or buying clothes, but it was always important for me to also save. And that's something that I think doesn't get taught a lot. It doesn't get talked about enough. You hear it in passing. Oh, it's important to save. And, um, you know, you need to save if you want to do this and you need to save if you want to do that. But most people don't do it. <laughs> and that's just the reality. Um, because it, it's, again, it's, um, I don't think it's, we're, we're told uh, uh, about the different ways to do it. Uh, you're not really explained, um, all the different tools that exist out there to save money. It's not just as simple as I earned 80, I put 20 under my bed <laughs> or I put 20 in a piggy bank. Um, it's, there's, there's just a lot more that can go into it. And I think once you learn about all those different tools, then it seems more worthwhile because sometimes, you know, adding, putting a dollar here, $2 there sounds like very little. Um, however, the good thing about, I think the, the American financial system is that there are 
various ways to save. And a lot of times you, you can save in a way so that your money is making money. So I, looking back and in, in trying to kind of map out how I started my financial management journey, I researched a lot of different methods. I think for probably more longer, like way back, um, uh, earlier than, than what I started researching, there's always been people, um, gurus, you know, people or specialists out there saying, Hey, um, if you want to make money, here's how to do it. Um, or if you want to be a millionaire in 20 years here, here's how to do it. So I have researched and read about the Dave Ramsey method fire, which is, um, financial independence, retire early. Um, that movement, I've been an avid listener of Suze Orman for the longest time. I think I've always liked, uh, how, pragmatic she was in the way that she explained financial management. I think she's one of the few who isn't talking about extremes um, and isn't, you know, telling you, Hey, if you, you know, start an Etsy shop, you can make half a million in this next year, that kind of thing, which I see a lot of nowadays. <laughs> but um, and just, I mean, it was just my own preference. I don't think that when I mentioned those three, I don't think they're the, I know they're not the only ones. I know they're not the only methods that exist. I know there are plenty of options out there. And, and I think that's where I start that each person's journey is different. What your preference is, there's nothing wrong with having a preference. And I don't think one size fits all, like all those, I think those three, like between how Susan, how Susan Orman talks about saving money versus fire versus Dave Ramsey. They're very different really. Um, and they each have benefits and then they, they, at least for me and at least, and they each have things that, just don't work for me. And that's okay. <laughs> um, I think the, the most important part of it is educating yourself, learning, um, about the different ways that people are approaching, you know, financial management, um, earn making your money, make money, that whole idea and also financial independence. So how are people going about, um, retiring early and, and, um, having enough money saved so that they don't feel obligated to work full time. They can, you know, freelance or they could take a year off. I mean, there's, I think even retiring early, that idea is changing, but, um, my understanding, or at least my interpretation is it's not necessarily retiring so that you don't work ever again. It's just having more flexibility so that you're able to pursue your passions and you're able to, you know, some people it's, it's to, it's to become a, a serial entrepreneur. And, and there are people who say, well, I, I don't mind starting businesses every few years, different businesses, because I have a variety of interests, but again, financially it is risky. Um, but if you are able to manage a certain way and set yourself up for stability, then you can take those risks and still have a pretty comfortable life. So, um, I know that uh, many episodes ago, it feels like now, um, that I did touch on financial management a little bit and talking about money, which is oftentimes, especially amongst immigrants, a taboo 
subject. You don't talk about money. It's, it's, uh, it's actually rude. <laughs> so, and I think in certain respects and in certain contexts, absolutely. Um, because it is a personal matter, but I think as a family, it would, it would actually be beneficial to us to, to talk more about money, um, to, to talk about budgeting. And, um, you know, we often, um, because of the, the idea of starting over in a new country, um, a lot of our families had to go through difficult times and we knew that money was tight, but we never really understood why, you know, we didn't, I don't think any of us <laughs> ever had the, at least I didn't have the audacity to say, well, how, how are you spending? Like, what are you bringing in monthly and what are the, um, expenses and what are you putting aside for this? What are you putting us? I mean, the idea of like, saving for a college fund for a lot of immigrant families is, is a foreign idea. Um, mostly because they come from countries where the university system is public. And so there is a, a free option, but besides that, it's just, again, not one of those, uh, you don't get a, a workbook when you, when you arrive or when you get your, your green card or your residency, as it says, here's, here's how you need to, you know, set yourself up and your children so that you have financial stability. Um, so I, I, again, starting from learning from family mistakes and then, um, as an adult, starting to research more of, of these different movements and these different ways of, um, financial management. And then I really got specific once I knew I was, um, considering, cause I think before, even before I moved, um, to Venezuela in 2009, I knew that I wanted to go back abroad. Um, I just, I started to, I'd say probably three years after three years of being in Florida, I started to get that inkling of it'd be cool to try somewhere new. So probably even once I started having that feeling, um, by then it's not, I don't think I started doing this because I knew I wanted to move abroad. I had just on my, on my journey for financial management, I, I knew it was important to have at least three months worth, worth of savings. When they say three months, three months of your expenses, your monthly expenses saved for a rainy day that came from Sue Zorman. That's something that she, I know, um, preaches a lot and, uh, it's hard for people to grasp that concept, especially when you, let's say your monthly expenses include a mortgage, car insurance, a car note, um, private school tuition. Um, it, it, it seems like how will I ever, right. Um, but the idea isn't for you to do it in one month or even three months. The idea is to, if it takes you two years, that's okay, but that should be a goal. You should have that as like a cushion so that if anything happens, so if, um, you for some reason lose your job or if somebody gets sick and can't work, um, you know, any of those, you know, quote unquote, catastrophic life events happen, you know, at least for three months, you're okay. Um, just a side note, I actually saw, uh, an interview with Sue Zorman, I don't know, almost a year ago. And she actually said, um, she would now after the pandemic, she would now recommend six months. <laughs> so, um, you know, if, if, if you're able to do that and actually once I had three months, which I don't know, it did take, let's say 18 months to get to that point. Um, 
it became easier to add months. It became easier to then have four months and then, you know, eventually five and then eventually six. I, I, you know, there, there is a point, which is, uh, you know, a really good point <laughs> in, in financial management where you're not really counting the months like that anymore because you've again, set yourself up. So, um, if something happens, you know, you're, you'll be okay. You, it's not forever. You're, you're not, at least in my case, <laughs> and I know in many, we're not millionaires and we don't have, you know, endless supplies of cash, but you still are at a, at a, at a place where you're not as worried as, okay, well, what happens after three months? Um, and it, and I, I think that comes with diversifying your portfolio, which sounds so fancy, but it really isn't. It's just having, um, various sources of income as well as using various tools for saving. Um, and the way that I diversified was not, I didn't focus solely on putting, um, those three months into a savings account. Again, once I hit that mark and then you get to four months worth of savings and then you're at five and then you think, well, you know, the interest rates maybe at that point were like one, 2%. Um, and, it, you know, it started to make sense to look at some other tools. And I was not at least initially comfortable with the stock market. I, I felt it was too volatile. I didn't know enough about it. Um, and that's, again, the, just from the very little that I would hear because you would always see the little tickers on, on you know, news channels. And it just seems like it, there was a lot of movement and things would go up and down. And it was, it seemed daunting. So, from savings accounts, I went into certificates of deposit, which is a longer term savings tool. Um, basically, you put your money, there's there's different um, terms. Sometimes it's three months, six months, 12 months. Um, there may be even longer, but 12 months is 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 the longest that I've, that I've um, used one. And uh, basically you're, you're, giving the bank that money for that term and you cannot touch it, but you get a higher interest rate. So again, your money's making money, um, a lot more than if you just put it in a regular savings account. And at the end of the term, you get your principal plus the interest. Um, what's really cool and really helpful in terms of, um, again, improving your, your financial stability is to just roll that over into another CD. And before, I mean, I think I started with three months and then to six and then to 12 months. Um, but what was neat was just seeing how, you know, you do your initial three months, you get your principal plus the interest back, and then you just do another one. Cause it, again, I think it's good to start small. Um, the idea of, Oh, I don't have access to, to the money for months. It sounds scarier than it really is because, um, you do, I mean, in, in case of emergency, you could access it. There is, there are penalties, but it's not like you, you don't, you cannot touch that money for that whole time. Even if, you know, there's, there's some sort of catastrophe, but, um, once you roll that over and then you, you know, you do another three months or you move it over into six months and then you just, I think then you see, um, again, that idea of, oh, my money's making money. Like I didn't have to do anything, but 
deposit it and leave it there. And now there's, there's added funds to it. And, um, again, these were, I think even that I never growing up heard anybody in my family talk about a certificate of deposit. So that was my introduction sort of (laughs) to different tools besides just a regular savings account. And, um, once another thing that I did, um, at the time in this, you know, I, my children were small. And so that there was that child tax credit. And then there was also a credit for child care. So I would, you know, each year, usually there, we would get a tax refund back and I would take that tax refund and do a CD instead of, um, spending it on things, (laughs) which I know is what a lot of people do. And and I get it. It, you know, it's almost, it's like Christmas in April or or May and you, you know, you, you get this money and you, and it's sometimes, you know, upwards of thousands of dollars and, and it's exciting. You have this, and you want to do things with it. But again, because my priority was always stability in the long run, um, I used those funds that way. And then eventually I started to invest in the stock market. And again, it took a couple years of, of just researching, understanding, and I started with big names. I didn't, again, I didn't know enough to, to start with like index funds and things that I'm doing now. But in the beginning it was, Oh, I could put, I could buy one or two shares of Apple or I could, and this was over 10 years ago. This was, I get, I want to say now 15 years ago when this, the shares were definitely not as expensive as they are now. Um, but it just, I think it goes to show the importance of starting now, you know, starting like, because what the price that, um, the price per share today is not going to be the price per share in five years in 10 years. So the longer you wait, I think the more uncomfortable, (laughs) at least for the stock market, you'll, you'll most likely get, unless, you know, there are cases of, you know, companies going under, but, that's why I picked the big names, you know, like, um, Walmart. <laughs> I really know like very like Starbucks even, um, that wasn't so it didn't have as long of a, of a track record, but I just knew it was so big that, um, it was unlikely to, to go bankrupt. Also, I chose, um, companies that I patronized. I don't know. I, I, it just means it, at least again, starting off and not understanding fully how the stock market worked. It made sense to me. I was like, Oh, well I shop there or I buy things from there. Um, so that means I believe in the quality. I believe in that company to some extent. Um, why not invest? So, Little by little, and I want to say little by little, it took probably a good five to seven years for me to start diversifying even that and, you know, moving away from the well-known companies and looking at index funds and, um, the good, the, the trick I think to investing in the stock market as well is to look at, um, stocks that provide dividends. And so, um, dividends are what, the company pays out to its shareholders, but it's based on how many shares you have, of course. Um, and again, it's almost like that idea of having a certificate of deposit. So you get the dividend and then you just roll that back into, um, the, the index fund or the, or the company. Um, and then it just, again, it just adds up (laughs) before, you know, and I would say somebody gave me this advice a long time ago about the stock market is it's a long-term, it's a long and, um, 
game or is that the word? But yes, it's not a short term um, investment. It's not, it's not like flipping a house. It's not, you know, and the same goes for real estate. You know, these are investments that you, you make and you just almost want to forget about them because the more you watch them, that's not going to help because in the short term, you're not going to see good things. <laughs> Most likely you're going to see volatility. But in the long term, if you look at over 10 years, there's at least going to be a 10 plus percent um, return on, on your investment. So that's, I think, one of the, like the biggest advice that I give. And again, I would suggest for anybody who has not started, who is, you know, just getting their toes wet to start small. There are um, shares that are very reasonably priced. I would venture to say there are shares that are 20 bucks a share or even less depending on the company. But again, it's, it's not, I am not (laughs) an expert. This is why the, the, the other piece of the title should be, I don't think I, while my friends think I'm good with money, I don't think I am necessarily because I'm still learning. This is, this has been like over 15 years now, a journey and I'm still learning. I'm still looking at different ways um, to, to diversify. There are some methods that are tried and true. I am not one of those people who are comfortable or who is comfortable venturing into new things like cryptocurrency and, um, and, and TFs or NFTs that I can, that's how little I know. Um, I'm, 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 a, I'm just, that's just my comfort level. I have, I cannot speak to, um, the validity or, or how well they work for financial stability. I can only speak to the ones that I've been using for the past 15 plus years. And they have provided a lot of financial stability. They, I feel like that has been the foundation for me to live, um, comfortably abroad and, um, not stress, <laughs> um, about finances as I did early on when, when we first, you know, started, when I first got out of university and, and, you know, was starting, we were starting to build our lives. It wasn't, it wasn't as, um, easy because I just didn't know. And I didn't know what to do to improve the situation. It was, you know, I could, and that's what I really wanted to avoid that whole paycheck to paycheck, um, lifestyle that is unfortunately common, um, for those living in the U S. So a few things to consider, um, as it relates to financial stability, financial management, and living abroad, is to keep in mind that the credit lifestyle that exists in the U.S. does not exist everywhere. Most other places, <laughs> you usually have to pay most things with cash, or at least a big chunk of cash, um, like you know, buying a car or something like that. Like it's not very common, especially as a foreigner, because you, even if they have an existing credit system, um, you're not part of it. (laughs) You haven't built your credit in that country. So I actually think that that helps a lot of expatriates. Like once you get into a system where, Oh, I have to save up and then pay for it. And then I'm done. Um, it, I don't know. It teaches you patience. And then at the end of the day, you're not racking up credit. Um, that also leads me to, you know, even though I've seen people do this as well, even though you're staying in a place, you, you, let's say you, you want to live somewhere for two years tops. Um, that's not a reason to not 
maintain good credit or maintain a good, you know, good financial standing, whether it's in the country you're in or your country of origin. So I've seen both ways where people, I'm just here for a while. I don't care. You know, we'll leave debts unpaid, things like that. I highly discourage that. And same thing. Oh, well, I'm, I don't want to go back to the U S I'm, you know, I never want to live there again. So I don't have to worry about my credit. I highly discourage that because you just never know. You just never know when um, a bad credit report, whether it's in the U.S. or in the country you're living in, and it may not look like a credit report as we know it in the U.S., but let's say you you leave something unpaid, um, you could be trying to leave that country and they flag you um, at the airport and cause you a world of hurt, or you could be, or you can leave and then try to re-enter and then somehow they've connected your debt to your passport or to your visa. Um, so I think it's always important to try and maintain um, good financial standing wherever you are. Um, also, if you are going to sort of be kind of one foot in the U.S. and another foot outside. Um, when we talked about the three months of savings, you should have three months of savings for both places, <laughs> which again, sounds daunting, but it's, it's feasible. So wherever you're currently living, have your three months of savings for there. And as well as the U S just because again, you never know things do happen and you may think, Oh, I never need to go back or I never, um, plan to go back. And then you know, life happens and you, you need to go back. Um, and I think overall, again, just start small. <laughs> That's, that is my biggest piece of advice is to start small and to not look for anything that is, a you know, get rich quick type of method. Those usually fail. Those usually have high risk. And if you don't have something to fall back on, um, it can be, it can be truly detrimental to, to your life, um, really to, to everything that, you know, some people end up, I can't, you know, they can't pay rent. They can't maintain their cars. They can't do much of anything because, um, they tried to kind of take a shortcut. I know it sounds enticing, but, um, again, I, I, if anything, I would recommend once you are really like, if you're Elon Musk, go for it. <laughs> if you're Jeff Bezos, go for it, take the risk. But if you're, um, you know, middle-class, you know, somebody who's, who's working that has a, a steady paycheck and just wants to, um, work on, uh, getting an advantage over time, then I think my advice makes a lot more sense. So that is it. It is a lot. And I always feel like whenever I start talking about financial management, I could go on and on. So I may end up doing another episode. So what are some of your financial management tips or what are some of your questions for anything that I went over today until the next time? Be well. Be well.